Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome to Date Yourself Radio. I'm your host, Veronica Grant, and I'm a green smoothie enthusiast, a radical self-care advocate, and a dating mindset coach for ambitious women looking for a deep and meaningful romantic partnership. Each week, you'll hear me answer a frequently asked question from this community, interview experts in the field, or work directly with the caller as I coach them through a dating or relationship obstacle they're facing. I give practical advice and tangible action that you can apply to your own life so you can learn how to treat yourself the way you want to be treated and get into the relationship you desire and deserve. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to episode 13 of Date Yourself Radio. So as I've been creating these episodes for you on the podcast, I couldn't get the elephant in the room out of my mind. As it relates to dating here on the show, we've talked about dating and food, the emotional freedom technique as it relates to getting over exes and getting out of dating patterns, body image, and I've got so much more in store for you. But I was getting to the point where I felt like sex was becoming that elephant. Because if we're talking about dating, we can't not talk about sex. So enter August and her amazing podcast, Girl Boner. Yes, you heard that right. August is an award-winning, nationally recognized health and sexuality writer and host of host and creator of Girl Boner. And I'm so excited and honored to have her on the show today. Her work has appeared in Cosmopolitan, Dame Magazine, The Huffington Post, Live Strong, and more. And her latest book, Embraceable, Empowering Facts and True Stories About Women's Sexuality, is a celebration of women's sexual empowerment. And each week on Girl Boner Radio, she interviews relationship experts, celebrity entertainers, and more, exploring women's lives and sexuality like no one else. And I'm so excited to share that I'll be on her podcast early this summer, so we'll definitely get that out to you when it becomes available. 
And last thing before we get started, the audio in this interview may have some static and some scratchy noises. And I'm recording this intro before I send everything off to my podcast editor. So I'm not exactly sure what the podcast and the final product will be, but I just wanted to give you a heads up and to apologize for any poor potential sound. It's very sporadic, so it shouldn't change your ability to get all of the great information that August shares. This interview was just so good and that juicy that I just wanted to get it out to you no matter what. And finally, if you haven't already, then I invite you to join our private Facebook community where the conversation of all of these interviews that I bring onto the show can continue. So to join us, head over to veronicagrant.com forward slash community, join our private Facebook group there and let us know who you are, where you are, and just share a little bit about what dating is like for you. All right, let's get right into the interview. All right, welcome back to the show, everyone. I have August with me. Hello, August. Hi, Veronica. How are you doing? I am good. I am really good. So I am so thrilled that you're here today because really we haven't talked about um, talked about this topic much. I ca- I think of it actually like as the elephant in the room. You know, this is a dating podcast, but we actually haven't talked about sex yet. So I'm really happy that you're here to enlighten us all. And I'm just really excited. So um, yeah, let's just go ahead and get started. Um, Before we dive into specific topics that I want um, to ask you, I'd love for you to just share with our listeners who you are and how you got to be where you are today. Sure. Well, I'm a health and sexuality writer, and I also have a company. It's a brand, a blog, a podcast called Girl Boner, which is a term that I trademarked. And my journey started in Minnesota. I grew up in a very uh, suburban, somewhat conservative, um, quiet, I guess, atmosphere where there's a lot of religious influence and sex was something that was very taboo, as it is for a lot of people still. And I learned early on that it was this thing we were never supposed to talk about. And I was a really curious kid. And so when we learned about sexuality, you know, we have like the, the class, usually there's like one class or maybe two that we get in our still in our education system. And I noticed that we learned about male pleasure a little bit. And then we learned about maxi pads, tampons, and cramps for women and nothing <laughs> about pleasure. And so I had this question and this curiosity right away. Like, what about, what about our pleasure? What's the good stuff for us? And the first time I heard the word boner on the schoolyard, I immediately wondered, what about girl boners? So that (laughs) question had been with me for a long time. And the next kind of pivotal thing that happened leading me to where I am now is I, during all this, had pretty poor body image as a lot of women do. And when I was in high school, I started modeling and I was living in Paris after graduation modeling. And was diagnosed with a really severe eating disorder. And in order to heal, I realized I had to embrace my sexuality. It was this big aha moment for me. So it's been a personal journey and one that very quickly I realized that it's not unique just to me. The specifics vary, but a lot of women are lacking this kind of empowerment and this comfort with themselves. However, they define their sexuality and whatever choices they make, there's this lacking comfort. So I decided to take my health writing and turn it into, you know, broaden it to 
to focus on sexuality. And now that's become pretty much my whole focus. Very cool. Um, that's just so um, interesting. So like, how did you, you know, I understand like where the interest came in, but like, how did you decide that you are going to have a blog and a podcast about, um, about sexuality and what were people's reactions um, when you first started doing it? That's a great question. I had another big epiphany when I was 30 years old, already very feeling very empowered in my sexuality. Like I felt like I had healed from the eating disorder and I was, you know, enjoying life. I had written my first novel. And so I had a, I had a blog and it wasn't about sexuality. I'd write about health or wellness or writing or my dog or whatever. And I actually ended up having a a very sensual experience with some solo play, some masturbation that um, I wrote about in my my new book. But essentially, I had not self-stimulated myself before that. I had always had a partner, you mm-hmm. know, it was like a serial monogamist. And then for a while was when I moved to Los Angeles, had a, a time of being very single and, and it was empowering as well. But I had never really embraced solo play. And that was such an eye-opening experience for me because it showed me that there was still some lingering shame. Like, why did I, why had I not explored that? And that really made me connect the dots with more so with the eating disorder and depression I had struggled with. Mm-hmm. And what was so interesting about that is immediately I'm such a researcher and I get really obsessed with things. So I started to study and find every, every piece of research that I could find about women's sexuality. And I had all of these myths in my head that are so common about women's sexuality that drove me crazy for so long. And I was just determined to get to the bottom of these things. So I decided I, I already had this sort of ongoing inside joke with my husband and, you know, really close friends. They knew that girl boner was like this thing that I, I would talk about and joke mm-hmm. about every once in a while, but I wanted to do something with it. And at first I thought, well, it's going to be a book. So I will start thinking about that. But then I thought, you know, I really should have some sort of a platform to do nonfiction. And I, so I thought it was just going to be a blog series at first and hopefully a book. And within a year, I realized that it was so much more than that. It was the blog. But once you start the conversation, so many other women and, and many men too were really interested in chiming in. I started getting mm-hmm. emails from people. I started getting requests to be on other people's podcasts and radio shows. And one of those shows the producer called me afterwards and said, we think you should have your own show. Have you thought about, you know, a girl boner show? And, and it was like an immediate decision for me because I just love talking about it. Yeah. And yeah. So that's kind of the evolution and it, it continues to evolve. It's, I'm excited to see where it leads. That's awesome. I love that. Um, can you talk a little bit more about the term girl boner? Cause I know on your website, we were talking offline, there are some, um, you know, you had some, um, things behind that that it represented. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. So girl boner, it's so interesting when I, when I mention it to anyone, when someone asks what I do and then inevitably they ask, well, what do you write about? Or, or sometimes I just tell them right away, well, my company is called girl boner and people <laughs> always respond. And I think immediately there is people get an impression of arousal and they get an impression of the woman turned on, um, but there's so much more to it than just that. Certainly Mm -hmm. women do, we do actually um, have somewhat of an erection when we are aroused, but it's not, 
you know, obviously as pronounced as, uh, and as obvious as the man, mm-hmm. many mm-hmm. different signs. So there's a the physiological part, but there's also the emotional part, the spiritual part. And so for me, I really see girl boner as, you know, embracing our sexuality to arouse our whole lives. Because what I see, and certainly mm-hmm. what's true for me is that when you don't embrace your sexuality, you cannot live as full and authentic of a life. Cause it's sort of like denying this huge part of yourself. Like if you just said my emotional wellness, Oh, who cares? I'm never going to talk about that. Or I'm not really going to take care of my digestive health or, you know, I think it's just such an important piece that is missing. And most women have some, you know, level of understanding and it varies a lot. Some people are, have embraced their sexuality to a certain degree. I've met a few women who embrace their sexuality early on, but it's so Mm -hmm. rare. So, yeah. So I, I would say it's, it's really about, embracing your full self, including your sexuality. Uh, Very nice. I like that. So what are some, you know, for, for women who this just seems like so foreign or a little scary or uncomfortable or shameful, like what are some things that they can start doing to um, start embracing their sexuality and feeling more comfortable around it? I think awareness is really the first step and that can be a little bit scary because it takes looking inward and really kind of doing an inventory of your life and the thoughts you have and the experiences you have. And there's so many ways to do this. You don't have to, I wanted to be public about my journey right away. And I, mm-hmm. I held off until I had trademarked the term I had. I was trying to pace myself for, for business purposes, but my personality is such that I really love to communicate about things. You don't have to do that. You can be journaling about it. You can be talking to a close girlfriend or to your partner or to a therapist. I think therapy is a beautiful place to explore these or through the arts. You know, Mm -hmm. if you're a creative person, it, it, it's asking questions of ourselves. So I would say some of the questions I love to ask my guests and, and fellow women are what did you learn about sexuality as a, as a child? And ev- everyone has some kind of story. And usually the answers I typically get are like, I learned nothing. I learned it was evil and sinful, or mm-hmm. I learned to just don't do it. I learned it's just for guys. It's, you know, something you give to a man, whatever you learned, however you learned it, what did you learn at home? What did you learn? If you're religious or were religious, what did you learn from, from church or from Mm -hmm. the temple? And what did you learn uh, in school? Did you learn anything in school? And then asking yourself, how did these, how have these beliefs and the information I received and the lack of information, how have they impacted me? How do I feel, you know, do I know where my, anatomical parts are? Do you know where your clitoris is? So many women don't. Uh, So it it starts with ourselves. And then when we feel ready, that's when we can begin to explore it. If we so choose with a partner and, and talk about, you know, ways to grow together. If that's your, if that's something that you're seeking, you know, but I think it's important Mm -hmm. to really start with yourself. Yeah. I love that. Cause that's really what I, teach through the prism of dating. It's instead of like, you know, the first thing that I do when I have clients is not like, okay, let's get you right out there. You know, it's like, okay, let's cultivate the relationship with yourself. So I see a lot of parallels there, which I really love. Um, so that's really awesome. What are, what are some myths about female pleasure that are the most common myths that you see that are widely believed? 
There are so many. Um, and it's a hard study to facilitate and to understand because there's still really limited information from mm-hmm. a research standpoint about women's sexuality. And the information that's out there often gets misconstrued and it's like a game of telephone. Like one person says it to one paper mm-hmm. and then it gets turned into another thing. So some of the things to <laughs> to keep in mind and to, to really have curiosity about, I think, are one, there's this idea that women are not visual. We hear that a lot, that men are the visual ones and men, especially from a sexual standpoint, you know, that they'll say, um, well, men watch more porn because men are visual or men are turned on by anything, you know, with breasts in front of them if they're straight or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually research shows that women are just as visual. We are not less visual. It's one reason that women tend to watch less erotic visual like movies and stuff like that is because most of it is geared toward a heterosexual male audience. And also because a lot of the material out there is kind of induces shame in women or Mm -hmm. women already have shame about watching it. Like we learned that, you know, guys watch porn and girls should, you know, we don't really watch it. So if you are, then there must be something wrong with you, you know? Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of shame around that. Another is the, uh, the notion that we peak sexually in our thirties. This is so, so interesting to me because it was like basically a hard fact. I thought when I first started my sexuality uh, studies, because we've heard it, you know, men peak in their twenties, women peak Mm -hmm. in their thirties. It just seemed kind of odd from every standpoint. And when you look at where the actual information came from, there was this very famous sexuality researcher, one of the first, if not the first, um, to be publishing scholarly articles, which were important, but you have to take into account that this was like decades and decades ago. And he, Alfred Kinsey, he studied a very small group of women and it was self-reported. So, so imagine you know, now it's hard to get women to talk about this stuff. Women were not very expressive about, you know, how turned on they were and that kind of thing. And it was such a small study. It was, it was a very small group of people. So, and all it showed was that the women in that particular group were more sexually active in their thirties. Well, if you look at modern times, first of all, you know, women, what, what studies are showing now, more current studies, is that the more we're comfortable with ourselves and the more we have positive attitudes about our sexuality, the healthier the relationship we have with it are, the more, the stronger our orgasms, the, the more we, doesn't necessarily mean that we're having sex a certain amount of times over time, but later in life, your sexuality and your sex life, your sex activity can improve in every uh-huh. way. So it's more of like a steady climb in a good direction if you embrace it. And um, that whole idea about the 20s and the 30s is is kind of just a bunch of hooey. (laughs) That's so interesting. I've never heard that before. Um, Because I I also just thought that, you know, our sexuality declined, you know, maybe like post fertile years. So like, I don't know, 35 and beyond. Um, So that's just so interesting that that's actually not really true. Um, I mean, good to know for, for everyone, but this is really interesting. Yeah. Um, it's, it's interesting because I mean, we certainly, you get these big hormonal changes in our lives. So mm-hmm. like puberty, we will have a lot of more interest when things are new in our twenties. Maybe we're having our first sex, sex relationships. Yeah. 
you know, so certainly we may have some more intensity at certain times or when things feel newer, we're in a new relationship or whatever. And that's totally normal. And, and you're right that fertility makes a difference. So, you know, and menopause certainly, but what the studies are showing now is that even menopause, the stronger influence on how your sexual pleasure and your, what role sex plays in your life over time is your attitudes more so than even those massive hormonal shifts with menopause. So some women feel freer after menopause because they don't have to use birth control anymore, you know? So it's really about kind of staying open and curious and not assuming that those are facts. So cool. That's so cool. Um, Awesome. Okay. I want to pivot over to um, sex and dating. And first, I'm just kind of curious, like, what's your philosophy if you have one? Like, are there... Are there rules about how many dates you have to go on if you can before you can have sex? Or um, I mean, just what else are you hearing out there? And like, what do you believe to be true? I love this topic because I hear so much about it. And I've actually done an episode and I wrote a blog post about the sex rule that uh, Steve Harvey has one, for example, where you're supposed to wait 90 Mm -hmm. days. And my my philosophy, which I feel very strongly about is that we should not have rules around our sexuality Mm -hmm. um, at all. I think values matter hugely, our personalities, you know, what we care about matters. But whenever you instill a rule, it becomes a kind of currency and it becomes a game. And that I think is really insidious. I think it damages our relationships. And one problem with a lot of the rules too, is they're geared towards women kind of withholding sex or giving that's the terminology that's used in many of those kind of philosophies mm-hmm. is you don't give them the cookies is what I heard. Like you don't give them sex right. until a certain time. And just think about that. It's not something you give. It's something you share. And I know plenty of women who have want to have sex earlier than their partner does, or they have a higher sex drive than their partner. And that's totally normal. It goes both ways and all over. And we're all so unique in our, in our sexuality. So I think it's really important to, to trust yourself and to maintain communication. So the really important thing is honesty. When you're in a new relationship or if you're just dating someone, it's important to know, are you looking for a long-term relationship or are you looking for a fling? Are you looking for marriage, you know, those kinds of things do play a role because obviously when you become sexual, we do have, you, you do chemically bond a bit, you know, it does deepen things. So if you know, going in that it's going to be something that you're just, you're dating and having fun dating, or is it that you're dating and you're kind of hoping that it might be more serious. Um, and then just staying on the same page with somebody and, and obviously just being really safe about it. If there's a rule, it should be just, safety, you know, protecting yourself. Yeah. Sure. So, um, but if you do have different, um, goals and what you're doing dating, if it's just kind of having fun flings, whatever, versus, um, looking for a more serious relationship or eventually marriage, like, is there a difference on how long ideally it is to wait or not wait? Or is again, just kind of going based on your intuition? Yeah, I think it really is going with how you feel and, And being honest with yourself too, Mm -hmm. because one person might be able to have casual sex with somebody. And again, women are just as likely to be interested in casual sex as guys are, but they may feel more shame around it for Mm -hmm. societal reasons. So 
if you feel like you would feel really comfortable having sex with somebody, no matter where the relationship goes, you know yourself best. So, mm-hmm. you know, know yourself, be honest. Cause one mistake you could make potentially is if you know that you're somebody who I have one girlfriend who is, she's so not interested in casual relationships. She wants a serious one. She's dating specifically for that reason. And whenever she has sex with a guy as part of the whole, it's all of it. It's not just the sex. It's that there's a seriousness that she's hoping for. Yeah. So it's important to really be honest with yourself and say, am I, am, am I really comfortable with this? You know, whereas another person would absolutely be comfortable with that. So yeah, I would say go with your instincts and if you're unsure, then just take some time. And if your partner isn't cool with that, then it's probably not the greatest match. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then kind of on the flip side, um, you know, people who have been dating a while or married for a while, um, you know, how do you keep sex fresh and interesting after, you know, years of being together? It is such a good question. Uh, I have a sex and relationship therapist named Dr. Megan Fleming, who mm-hmm. weighs in pretty often on my show. She answers people's questions. And she said something that I just love, which is, you don't get sick of your own hand. I don't know if she used those exact words, but it's so <laughs> funny because it made me laugh so much because it's such a good point. It's like, you can have a sexual relationship with your vibrator or with your hand or whatever. <laughs> like you could do that for the rest of your life. And you're not thinking, I wish I had a different <laughs> But, and yet, you know, a, a long-term relationship, people sometimes do start to get, and actually it's interesting. Some of the research is showing, there's this wonderful researcher named Meredith Shivers, who I really recommend if people are interested in, in seeing some of the more current studies that investigate specifically um, gender differences and similarities. Yeah. And we'll put all this in the show notes, all the episodes you're referring to in these people, but awesome. sorry, keep going. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's amazing. That would be great. Okay. But she has been finding that in her studies, they point to women being more bored by monogamy than men. Hmm. So that's not to say that, you know, women need to have lots of partners or never be monogamous. Obviously I I'm a big fan of monogamy, I think, but I think that you, you have to be committed to cultivating that part of your relationship, which is just as important as cultivating the emotional bond and the spiritual bond and all these other parts. But, you know, your life gets busy and uh, it's easy to fall into a a bit of a rut or just comfort where you're having, you know, a lot of fun, but you're both tired and busy and there's not the same, you don't have the exact same kind of like, you know, gigantic punch drunk love feeling from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. But if you prioritize it, it actually can keep going. And one thing I really recommend is new experiences. It doesn't have to just be in the bedroom, although those are great too. But science shows that when we do anything new, we can, our brain produces chemicals that are the same ones released when we are falling in love. So maybe it's, you know, you go to, it can be something as simple as a restaurant you've never tried or, you know, um, trying, taking a vacation to a place you've always wanted to go or, you know, trying a new, um, adult toy or whatever, Mm -hmm. but really prioritizing that sense of adventure because even without the expectation of sex, like just trying new experiences and you get to know your partner in these new ways over time. Mm -hmm. And then communication is really important again. So I think that if you're starting to feel like, because inevitably in every relationship, there are times when one partner wants 
is, is in the mood and the other is not, or, you know, whatever it is. And communication is really, really important. And I find that it's a struggle for a lot of couples because it's not, there's still not this normalcy about around talking about sex. So in those cases, you can say things like, Hey, I listened to this, this podcast, you know, it was really interesting. What do you think about this? You can like shift the focus. So it's not like you did this and I did this and I want, I want this for us. You can kind of third person it or bring a book into the relationship or Mm. that kind of thing. So, um, you know, again, and it starts with knowing yourself and, and figuring out, am I, am I fulfilled and is my partner fulfilled and how can, how can we make that happen? Just asking that kind of like having checkups every once in a while. Yeah. I I like a lot of that. And just to go off that, another question is um, I've heard a lot of people saying they have just like how they have date nights, they have um, sex dates. And I'm just kind of curious to your thoughts because I can see the merit in that just to, um, you know, prioritize it, but then does it feel um, forced you know, and then kind of ruins the the moment, so to speak. So I would just carry your thoughts on that. Yeah. You know, there's a, it's kind of an ongoing debate. Like, should you schedule sex or do you lose the spontaneity? And (laughs) the truth is, first of all, sex is very rarely super spontaneous. It's not like you're just walking around the house and all of a sudden, boom, you know, (laughs) all of a sudden it's happening. And and the media, like if you watch a lot of movies and TV shows, it is kind of sudden, like it'll be to a doctor and, uh, nurse in a hospital and they just all of a sudden find <laughs> each other and they throw themselves into a closet and they orgasm together. Um, it's, it's very different in real life. Um, so, you know, there will be times, I think it's great to stay open to spontaneity and certainly there's what, there's a big reason why a lot of couples have a lot more sex on vacation and on weekends and sometimes only vacation because <laughs> you don't have all these other, you're living a life. It's not mm-hmm. like you have endless time to be focusing on your intimacy. So I think, I think scheduling can be a really important thing, especially if you're very busy and it's actually pretty exciting when you don't make it pressure, because there's a big Mm -hmm. difference between scheduling with the expectation of we're going to be physically intimate together and the expectation of we are going to be turned on and we are going to have sex this night. Like I think some, some couples, find that to be a little bit intimidating, you know, Mm -hmm. especially if they've been feeling like they aren't as turned on as they'd like to be. So what I really like instead is just focus on scheduling times to have really close, intimate time together. Maybe it's massages or a date where if you have kids there, you know, you get a babysitter and you stay Mm -hmm. in at home for the night, or you go to a hotel for the night or a few hours or whatever. And Mm -hmm it can be with the expectation that you're going to be physically intimate. And then if you feel like having sex, then that's great. And usually it probably happens as long as there isn't that pressure. But I actually think, yeah, it can be really exciting because there's this buildup too. Like if you know it's going to be happening on a Friday, for example, you're going to be thinking about it until then. And there's Mm -hmm. very little kind of as it's a sense of foreplay, you know, that you're actually getting those kind of like, um, we're going to get it on vibes. It's exciting. Yeah. And you just actually said something which reminded me of something else I wanted to ask you. And that's specifically about um, female orgasms. And especially if I know a lot of women in my community are a little sex shy. Um, You know, how do you like if is it always like in the movies where both parties are orgasming at the same time? Do women orgasm from sex exclusively? Like how can a woman be a little bit more... um, 
just a little bit more comfortable, like asking for the orgasm if it's not just happening from um, from sex, like how it is for her partner. Oh, that's such an important question. <laughs> and definitely, I mean, I think it's pretty rare that a couple orgasms together at the same moment. I Even on movies and TV, you'll see too, they even last the same amount of time. And actually with <laughs> orgasms are a lot longer, but in the show, you know, but they couldn't. <laughs> it would be the whole show because a lot of women and couples, it might take 20 to 30 minutes. And you can't just sit there watching that the whole time. So uh, from a practical standpoint, yeah, I think again, it starts with knowing how your own body works and uh-huh. taking time to play with yourself and enjoy yourself and to really know what works well for you. And a very large percentage of women, again, the study is you know, limited, but we know that clitoral stimulation is crucial for most women to orgasm. And some women, they only orgasm through clitoral stimulation and never through intercourse. And that's a thousand percent. Okay. There's nothing wrong with you. It is so common. So Mm -hmm. if that's you, first of all, I think there's, there's value definitely in, in enjoying the whole experience and not seeing the orgasm as like the finish line. I used to be that way where I was like, so set on the big combination one. Like I wanted to have the big explosive orgasm. And to me, that is what I thought of sex as. Mm -hmm. And now I appreciate the whole experience. And I think really feeling pleasure from the whole, whole thing and from giving and receiving and all of that. Mm -hmm. But it's really important that if women are not reaching climax and they, they want to, which most women do, you know, it's, I think one challenge is we're afraid of hurting the other person's feelings. And that is, totally natural because, you know, a guy may not want to hear, um, you know, you're not doing it for me. (laughs) So, but instead of making it about them not doing something for you, I think sharing in the exploration and one really simple way to kind of coach and encourage is to show your partner, you know, move their hand to where it feels good it is so sexy to most partners and to, to guys and to women too, to hear what your fantasies are and to what feels good. So whispering in their ear, like when you do this and guide their hand, this feels amazing. You know, that is, that is huge. And I think that a lot of times women have the impression that they, if they are not having an orgasm during intercourse, that somehow their partner is going to feel like less of a man or something. Mm-hmm. But, but really I, I find, and I hear from a lot of guys who really care about their partner's pleasure. And I think the biggest turn on for them is your pleasure. So it doesn't matter how you're getting it. Even if you have to get a toy, you can even say, Hey, can we, you know, and you don't, don't worry about coming at the same moment or any of that. Just enjoy each other's because I feel like in some ways we can get almost as much pleasure from the other person's pleasure. Yeah. I love that. That's, that's so interesting. And also just really reaffirming to, to hear. Um, okay. Last little pivot. And, um, again, you kind of talked about it in your story, but I'm just kind of curious. A lot of, um, women come to me because of issues around body image or their health as it relates to dating and feeling confident on dates. Um, but I'm just kind of curious how, um, one sexuality and body image are related, how you make that link. Sure. I think they're really inseparable. I don't think that you need to have amazing body image to have amazing sex. And Hmm. and reverse is also true. Um, 
that said, I don't think you can separate the two fully. I mean, when you're being sexual, it's all about intimacy with your own body and then Mm -hmm. the vulnerability of your body with another person's body. And our culture is so focused on performance and and aesthetics on what we look like. So I know that for me, as I mentioned just briefly earlier on, before I learned to embrace my sexuality, it was devastating. I I developed this really severe illness from it and on a smaller, but no less worthy of fixing it scale. I think most women, if not all struggle with some level of insecurity about their bodies. Mm -hmm. So it can work in, in both directions. You know, you can, you can take really simple steps to, to improve how you feel about your body through sexuality, which is, which is really kind of the route that I went where you start having a respect for what your body can do and feel and the pleasure it's capable of, which has nothing to do with shape or size. You know, it doesn't matter how old or young you are or what race you are or how big your thighs are, how flat your chest is or huge your boobs are or whatever. It has nothing to do with that. So I think, I think it's important for anybody who does struggle with body image to get curious about their feelings about sexuality. Cause I find that a lot of people do not realize they have this shame around their sexuality, but they're very aware of how much they quote dislike their bodies or shun their bodies. Mm. So it's amazing what happens when you start to turn that around and start to, uh, again, with awareness and then taking proactive steps by not having toxic influences around you, not, not having, you know, if you, have a magazine that you subscribe to that is supposed to be healthy, but it makes you feel unworthy, unattractive, then, you know, unsubscribe to it. Don't spend time with people who focus on those things. And really, truly a thousand percent, I can assure all of your listeners that you're, if you're with a guy, he is not caring about that. He's not caring about what shape or size or weight you are. He wants to be with you and he wants you to have pleasure. And he's turned on by, by you and your beautiful feminine, you know, essence and, and all you are. So it, it really is something that is a personal battle that, um, that I think it's so normal. It passes as, you know, why fix it? We're all like this. And actually it's very fixable, which doesn't mean you have to be in love with how you look. It's not about that. It's a shift of value system. It's, it's a more neutral relationship where you're not judging yourself. Like I barely ever look in the mirror anymore, mm-hmm. you know, because I'm just, my, my value system has shifted and now I focus on my passions in life. And you're able mm-hmm. to find so many times, I think it's like a band aid that we have this, if we keep this insecurity around us and we fixate on trying to change our bodies and trying to look a certain way, then we'll find happiness, which isn't what happens at all. And actually that really holds you back. Yeah. Yeah. I I love that. And I just think that's a really good note to, to um, wrap up this interview because that's just really the essence of um, so much of what I teach as it relates to dating. So this is just, um, just really more good stuff to, um, to the pot, so to speak. Um, So where can uh, my listeners find you? The best and easiest way would just be go to my website, which is augustmclaughlin.com. It's M-C, then laugh, L-A-U-G-H-L-I-N. And my show, Girl Boner Radio, is available on iTunes. You can subscribe there, but you can also listen on my website and 
I have a blog and I've got a couple of books. One's about women's sexuality and I love hearing from people. So if any of your listeners have questions and they want to remain anonymous or not, they can always reach out. Awesome. Yeah. And we'll include the, um, the link to your website as well as those specific episodes you mentioned, um, on the show notes. So everyone can grab that. And the last question, and I asked this question to all of my guests, what is your favorite way to treat yourself? Oh, that's such a good question. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Uh, the first thing that came to mind is I love taking like a hot bubble bath and having some kind of treat food in it. You know, like, um, the last time I did this, I was at a hotel and, um, took a bubble bath and had like a hot fudge sundae in it. <laughs> and that is like so luxurious to me. And I think that spending time with ourselves and that kind of like sudsy atmosphere is really, really empowering. Oh, I love that. Maybe I'll do that tonight. That sounds really nice. Deserve <laughs> it. All right. All right. Well, thank you so much, August. I, um, I love chatting with you. This is such great information and I know that my community is going to love it. So thank you. Thank you. And thank you. For- For the work you're doing, I'm excited to uh, have you on my show as well. Awesome. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you for listening to Date Yourself Radio. I love hearing from you. So please post your comments or questions at veronicagrant.com forward slash podcast. That's also the place you can sign up to receive free coaching with me in an upcoming episode or submit your question. And if you love this show, please share it and subscribe to it in iTunes. I would also be so grateful if you left a review since that helps me share the power of dating yourself with more women. You can find all my social media handles and sign up to be a part of my community at veronicagrant.com. Until next week, here's to treating yourself the way you want to be treated. Much love and happy dating. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.